0: You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. Episode Number Five Hundred and Forty Nine.
1: As a player, you kind of know what your strengths and weaknesses are. But as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to learn. You know that this this journey has been has been great. It's been amazing. But just knowing what my strengths and weaknesses are as an entrepreneur, and just within my business, like what am I good at? What am I not good at? You know, I'm always trying to take on everything, right? But I have to be self aware of what I'm good at and delegate the stuff that I'm not.
0: Hey, what's up, Rhino Tribe? This is Lauren Hardy. I am your virtual coach. And today we are talking to IK and Polly. IK closed $22,000 worth of wholesale contracts in the last eight weeks of starting his virtual career. So IK is with us today to share all the things as to how he got that done, how he did it, where he came from. So IK, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks
0: for having me. I'm excited to have you. You've been doing so well. You've been killing it in your game. I definitely want to pick your brain a lot in this episode because I think there's something super unique about just who you are. And I think that you can help a lot of people, especially with like people who have trouble getting motivated. So let's get back to the basics. Who are you, IK? You are a father. How many kids do you yeah. have? I have one. I have one son. Yeah. Is he literally asleep next to you?
1: He's literally asleep (laughs) right next to me.
0: (laughs) I, yeah, I've seen you have your son like crawling all around you as you are like on these coaching calls and whatnot. And I, I just think it's amazing because I personally, my kids are seven to nine, and I know how distracting toddlers can be. I mean, it is so hard to like have a toddler dancing around you, climbing on your back while you're trying to send an email. It's crazy. (laughs) I I literally watched you do it. Like we did a role play session and you did not break character. Like, which was crazy. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) You
0: you literally like, I mean, your son was like climbing on your neck and you did not break character in this role play. It was amazing. (laughs) Okay. So you have a son, you're married. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. And what are you doing right now? Because you're in a hotel room. Yes,
1: yeah, so my wife is a she's a nurse. Uh, she's a nurse practitioner, and she picked up a COVID assignment. So we're in Baytown, Texas, right now, and she's working frontline in COVID. My wife, she's a new mother. Uh, she doesn't like being away from us. So uh, I kind of knew coming into this that you know I needed to switch virtual. This is what really pushed me to go 100 virtual because I knew she was taking this assignment. I said, you know what let me just go ahead and make the leap because I knew I already had to. So I've been working from my laptop doing every, doing all my acquisitions here in the hotel. And it's been great. I've been closing deals in hotels.
0: Crazy. And I didn't know that that's why you wanted to go virtual. So I thought you wanted to go virtual because you lived in a super high priced competitive market, Austin, Texas. That's the
1: number one reason, but this was the extra push
0: Mm -hmm. when she told me
1: that she wanted us to come with her. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. Let's just go ahead. Let's just go ahead and
0: do it. Yeah. Just your market alone was enough reason to need to go virtual. Austin, Texas is super competitive. A lot of people struggle in that market to make our business work and our marketing strategies work. Yeah. So, okay. So tell me a little bit, what did you do before you got into investing?
1: Yeah. So I was a, yeah, so I was an athlete. So I played professional football for three years. Um, So after college, I got drafted to the New York Jets played two years in Buffalo, and then ended my career in Oakland. Had a bunch of knee surgeries and stuff like that. After my, I think my second knee surgery, that's when I kind of just kind of seen the, I guess the path I was on with football. And I never used to think that I would stop playing. So, but I realized that I needed to start putting my focus somewhere else to start getting a second career going. Just because I seen how short your career can end in football. So I started getting my real estate license and uh, started with, agency at first. And I was think I was there for like an agent for like four months. And then I just quit and started doing wholesaling. No, it wasn't for me. I wasn't, it just wasn't my style.
0: I feel like being an agent, it's like you have a new boss every listing. Right. You're also like their therapist and it's like very stressful. My agent friends, like what they go through, it's, it's extremely stressful. Really? Yeah, it is yeah. cuz it's the seller thinks they own you for the listing agreement. <laughs>
1: so, wow. See, yeah, that's one thing I didn't I didn't get too deep into to even figure that out, but yeah, I yeah. knew it wasn't for me early.
0: So you got into investing because you kind of felt like the foot, you know, you wanted another you didn't want to have all your eggs in one basket with your football career, so you wanted yeah. to have something else. And tell me about how did you get into wholesaling what was your experience when you started out?
1: I got into it. I was listening to Grant Cardone. And I was trying to, you know, just listening to him. And I would just open my mind up. Being mm-hmm. an athlete, like my 100% focus was sports. I ate, slept, dreamt it. That was my energy, went to sports. So I didn't really know of anything other than sports. So I started like just looking up stuff. And I always wanted to get into real estate since I was a young kid. Always wanted to. So I started looking listening to Grant Cardone. I just kind of fell into him just researching stuff on YouTube. And he was talking about wholesaling. And I literally... I literally was upstairs in the bed and he was explaining it. And I just, I just made, I just committed right there. Said, that's simple. I can do it. I can do it. That's all you have to do. I can do it. And I just made the commitment right then and there. And I did my first deal in four months in my market.
0: That's awesome. And then what happened? So from sign. From bandit Yeah. <laughs> was it in Austin, your first deal?
1: Right. It was in a, a sub market in Austin called oh, okay. Astrop, Texas.
0: Oh, okay. That's, yeah, yeah that's awesome. I have to ask because I'm curious. I don't have any friends that play professional sports. I don't think I've ever really had a deep conversation with anybody that played professional sports, but I noticed something different about you. There's something unique about you. And it's almost like if I could bottle it up and sell it as a product, I feel like people, it would help a lot of people. There is some way to package this. And it's about your mindset. You do exactly what I say like as I'm doing my coaching and you don't hesitate at all. You take immediate action. Like the second you're like given a task or like an idea, you're like five minutes later, you're literally executing it. it. Most people... They get an analysis paralysis. Like I've seen, you know, where they get an analysis paralysis, they hear about an idea and then they overanalyze it for three months, or they get a mentor, the mentor tells them to do something, but they think they know better and then they do it differently and then they, you know, fail for a while. What is it about you that makes you this way? Because it would help a lot of people if you could explain it.
1: That, I mean, that's probably the only thing I had going for me coming into, into entrepreneurship was my mindset. And um, it was just through training of football. You know, I, the way I was trained with my coaches, I had really great coaches in my life. I can tell you a story, right? Like when I first started football, I didn't really know how to tackle, right? And my coach would always just go say like, because he would see like I was just unorthodox. I was a little timid and stuff like that. He would say, he said, I can go put your face on. It. Just go put your face on and plant your face on. It. I don't care what he does to you. So that's what I did. That's how I learned how to tackle is by literally just doing that and just saying F it, right? Just saying F it and doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, you're going to make mistakes. Understanding you're going to make mistakes. Embracing the process of making mistakes. Sounding crazy. Sounding stupid. I've been laughed out of houses. I've been kicked out of houses. But you know what? I'm like, it's fine. It comes with it. Let's just keep it moving. Who's the next person I can talk to? Right? Who's the next person? So it's just, yeah, it was just embracing that, just embracing. Embracing
0: stuff. the micro stress, like yes. embracing that stressful feeling that you're, that you get in your body. And now, okay, I can kind of, now I can kind of see where your training kind of came in because probably, you know, you probably trained to be a football player for how many hours a day, how many years of your life on average? A lot.
1: My days, I mean, my days where you wake up, you work out, you know, you study film, um and then kind of take a break then you go you go hit the weight room work, practice stuff like that so um you have a physical part of it but then you have a mental part of it too as well and then also as a professional you got to learn how you know resting is also a part of it but when you're resting training your mind too as well but in college built a lot of skills college really calloused me it calloused my mind it calloused my body it just just became a really, really hard person to endure whatever came with it, right? So in college, it was just like a, it was just a crazy amount of training. The amount of hours, I don't know if I had to put a number on it. I don't know, like five, six hours, seven hours. I would go work out, like during the Super Bowl, I would sneak into the weight room and go work out just because, you know, I wanted to get there. During the combine, I would sneak into weight rooms and go work out. I want to watch it, right? So I was weird like that. You know, I just had this... I just had this complex, you know, that I'm not going to sit around when people are feeling relaxed and stuff like that, driving to it. It's just like, it's equivalent to somebody saying, Hey, look, people are home on Sundays. Instead of taking Sundays off, Hey, call people, you know, doing not cold call, whatever, you know, whatever it is, pushing to the marketplace when everyone's kind of relaxed. It was the same thing I was doing in football. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. Like, I mean, yeah. okay. it's funny you say callous your mind because I had recently read the book Can't Hurt Me. Did you read that book?
1: I did. David, yeah. David okay.
0: So yeah. So the whole idea now you're, it's, it's making sense to me. So when you were training for football for hours out of the day, you were stressing your body. You were stressing your mind. I mean, that's exhausting. That's a lot of work. It hurts. It's yeah. painful. Like your yeah. body probably hurts. Like, yeah. but you still had to get up the next day. I mean, I could imagine just the physical exercises you had to do. And then not, on, not just that, then you also had it like, there was a studying component. There's the combination of the like, micro stresses every day to your mind to callous yeah. it. The more mm-hmm. you stress yourself out, and I think you did that early on with football. So real estate was easy for you. Like, but some people are getting into this business. I mean, like me, like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, never went through anything really that hard in my life. And so getting on the phone with a seller when I first got started would it would give me this fight or flight feeling. And I would get scared as if a like a bear was in front of me. And I, I would get scared. I'd get nervous and flustered. And I would, you know, and it would make me want to avoid talking to the seller. I know this is, you know, a feeling that other people go through. And it's because like I didn't turn off that fight or flight yet because I hadn't put myself through enough stress. So I think that like you had already put your brain through so much stress that talking to a seller like didn't even ruffle your feathers.
1: No, it didn't. It didn't. Right. The only thing that got me was. In football, you get a little bit of instant gratification because, you know, you work out. You can go to the gym, you know, a month and you'll do exercise and you'll start you might start seeing or feeling a little bit better. start feeling a little bit stronger. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when I was like cold calling, for example, and I'm just like a month of cold calling, I'm like not seeing results. I'm like, bro, what the hell? But, you know, the what same was my mindset. Just just continue going. Just continue going. But I wasn't that instant gratification that I was used to seeing in foot, like working out and stuff like that wasn't really transferring over as fast as I wanted to in entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, everything you get into is different and there's always a new challenge that you have to get better. Yeah. At. And like for this one, it was like you had to be a little bit more patient. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so if we, if we really think about it now, cause I was wondering myself, I love that you're bringing up these ideas and, and I noticed like we talked about scripts and you wanted to role play with people. Like you were yeah. the first person to say, hey, does anybody want to get in like role play?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Let's do it. And that was yeah. you watching yourself perform, probably listening back. We role played.
1: Yeah. Exactly. You exactly. recorded
0: it. You probably listened exactly. to it. Up, you know? Yeah, I did. So, I mean, th- that's two big pieces of practical advice, I think, for anybody that really wants to like move to the next level, not just in wholesaling, but like in any...
1: Anything. Yeah.
0: Anything, you know? Right. That's crazy. Right. That's crazy. So now, so fast forward, you don't play football anymore. You've got wife and a cute little boy and you are now like, you are on a roll with closing deals. So what was the big change from your business at first was a little bit, what, unstable to now you're regularly closing deals in the last eight weeks?
1: Yeah. 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 So yeah, my, my business was very unstable in Austin just because it was, it was crazy. My first two and a half years was strictly in Austin, right? All my marketing dollars went to Austin. Everything. I was just dedicated to Austin because things start in your backyard, right? So that's what I did. And I was closing deals You know, I was closing deals, but it was very ebb and flow, right? Ebb and flow. It was nothing ever consistent. It was not until I switched to virtual and really just focusing on a virtual market, doing the research, doing the proper process of setting up the foundation on a, on a virtual market. And then once I turned on the marketing, it was just a lot simple, a lot easier. It was the same process, but it was just a lot easier to acquire these deals because my, my market was just a very high-end developer's market.
0: Yeah, I know a lot about your market. I actually worked the Nashville market for a while and they say that Nashville was like following in Austin's path. So Mm. that's actually why I got out of Nashville. Like, I was, that was my first virtual market. And I got out of it because it was turning into an Austin situation. And I was like, why would I leave? Why would I go virtual to a hard market as well? Like, why would I have chosen a hard market? Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I left and I went to a, you know, more just balanced, stable Midwestern market. Um, I'm from, you know, California. So my first years of the business were California. And I know exactly what you mean of the feast or famine. And, Yeah, when you close a deal, maybe your checks are bigger, but that, you know, four to eight weeks you go without getting paid, you start stressing out. Yeah. I like sleeping at night personally. So for me, I would rather have smaller checks, but there's volume of them and they're coming more regularly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Same here.
0: Yeah. You definitely took no time at all because I think that was eight weeks ago and you've already closed $22,000. So. Right. I, mean, it's ama- I mean, it's amazing. And not everybody's going to have, you know, that type of success. Um, which is okay. Success, which is okay. You're not, right. you know, not everybody's going to have that. Still amazing that you were able to do that. Is there any, you know, advice or anything that you got out of the last eight weeks, you know, that's notable that you feel like helped you?
1: Yeah. I, the, biggest, the biggest thing that helped me was the acquisition script. Because I don't have gift of the gap. I mean, you know, I'm not really like sweet talk or, or smooth talk or anything like that, right? I have a more of a, a structured mindset, right? First we do this, second we do this, third we do this, right? If you give me a script and try to get me to like freestyle or something like that, I kind of just, I become like an average person on the, on the phone. So the acquisition script really helped me out because it was very structured, it was a process, and it disclosed everything. It was a you know, the amount of disclosure put on there and it let people know. Like at the end of the call, like when I ask somebody, you have any questions? And they always say, No, nah, you explained everything. I understand everything crystal clear, you did a good job. What was your name again? You know, that's how I know like, I did a good job, right? When they asked me what was my name and it gave yeah. a compliment. So it was just that just really helped me out. And it and I can tell it put me ahead of my competition in the marketplace. So I can tell it was a lot of amateur wholesalers mm-hmm. who didn't really know what they're doing. And I think that really put me ahead of my competition.
0: You know, it was something that I put together over eight years. I started in a super competitive market, Southern California. And the Southern California sellers, they are savvy. They are, yeah. you know, not the nicest people. Like They are not friendly like Midwesterners. Right. <laughs> They will like they were chewing me up, like and spitting me out. Um, right. So I had to really refine my process with speaking to sellers in a way that would it would avoid me getting yelled at the most. I'm sensitive, and you know when a seller would be rude or yell at me, or you know if I delivered a lowball offer, for example, which that's another script I've gotten the you know my program when I would deliver a lowball offer, just that. Of like their response of, are you kidding me? Do you know what my house is worth? So I had to figure out a way to speak in a way that like the seller, it wouldn't like get the seller to respond in a negative way. That would then bring me down for the day. I think it's really important in the front end to disclose everything. So there's no surprises. You'd rather prep your seller for any kind of hiccup, you know, rather than go. Promise the seller the world, right? Over promise, under deliver. You'd rather like under promise, over deliver. Mm-hmm. So, and I've what I've noticed is that sellers they feel like I was being honest, whereas the other guys that they talked to weren't.
1: Right.
0: I kind of, my script kind of reveals that the other guys are actually lying to them. Right. You know, so, right. so yeah, I mean, I'm glad you found success with it and you don't have to be perfect with your words. I personally am really bad at memorizing a script. I'm horrible at it. You're really good at memorizing a script from what I saw. So, you know, to each a zone. But I think like what I try to give out with my script at least is just like, Hey, this is how I say it. You don't have to say it exactly like this. But just that you know, these are things that come out of our mouth. Like we say, sometimes we sell, you know, the properties to other investors. We assign by contract assignments, like... We say those things. So, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I think that's great. Like, you know, just disclosing that we assign properties is is amazing. Like I say, I say, I'll say every single seller that, you know, we might assign a property and it's, it just puts me in a, in a better situation. Like, I, I feel better knowing yeah. that they know all the possibilities that can happen.
0: For sure. Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah, I right. think, um, I think seller conversations, it's very important to get good at it, but it, you know, it kind of just takes a lot of practice too.
1: It does. It does.
0: So you've given us a ton about you and a ton of really good, I feel like good mindset advice. What do you read? What do you listen to?
1: So right now the books that I'm reading is, it's actually on Audible right now. I, it's a longer title, but let me look it up. I think it's like the 16 laws of success is what I'm, I'm reading right now. So, I mean, I read books that, that talk about entrepreneurship, success, I like learning more about, you know, mindset, stuff like that stuff, anything that's always going to stretch and challenge your mind. You know, as an entrepreneur, you never want to be in like a very comfortable state. You always want to be stretched. I'm always reading stuff that's going to stretch my mind. That's going to always push me and try and just, um, self development, any kind of self development was to help develop me as a, as a person, as an entrepreneur and as a, as a father, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I know we talked about the day it's is it David Goggin, uh, David Goggins, David Goggin. Yeah. David. I Goldford. just awesome. read that book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah can't it can't hurt me is another like good one with like kind of that similar. I just think that, you know, and I don't even know, like I'm trying to find a better word because I know this is going to be on a podcast <laughs> to say for the word that rhymes with wuss. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wussy. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, I know right. I probably shouldn't say that, but I feel you know people are like seriously so weak, like some people right. are you know. I find myself making excuses sometimes, and I have to like every once in a while when I look and I've been making an excuse for not doing something for a long time i like I look in the mirror and I'm yep. like, yeah, you know of really mirror right yeah, it's a, it's like uh you're the problem. Like right. I, and in that book, it was it made me laugh when he was like, if you're being dumb, like stop being dumb. Like you are right. dumb. Like, <laughs> like that, right. He literally said that in that book. Like you are yeah. dumb. You Call are yourself you're, dumb. Fat, you're fat. You're fat. Yeah. He's like, if you're <laughs> fat, you're <laughs> fat. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's
1: true.
0: No, it's true. Like just like self-awareness and just being honest with yourself, you know, I even think like we're kind of training the future generations to not be self-aware. Right. And and not be honest with themselves. Right. I think self-awareness, I've actually, I've said as far as like the most important human characteristic for me, like to find a partner that I want to work on with myself every day is just Mm self-awareness. You don't have to be like perfect, but the fact that you know that these are your weaknesses, you're aware of them, you're not lying to yourself about them. Exactly. I mean, you know, I think that's, because now you can work on something.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, I struggled with that too as well in the beginning. Like me learning, like as a player, you kind of know what your strengths and weaknesses are, but as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to learn, you know, that this this journey has been has been great. It's been amazing. But just knowing what my strengths and weaknesses are as an entrepreneur And just within my business, like, what am I good at? What am I not good at? You know, I'm always trying to take on everything, right? But I had to be self-aware of what I'm good at and delegate the stuff that I'm not, you know?
0: I'm going to ask it in two ways. What would you say you are not good at that's more of like, not just entrepreneurialism, but like where, I mean, a bigger picture, like what is a weakness that you have that you feel like you're not good at?
1: That's big picture? Yeah. I'm not I'm not just good at just delegation. I'm always trying to figure out a way for me to do something. Mm-hmm. I never really think, "Oh, I'm not really good at this. Let me just pass this off," right? I'm always trying to figure out, "Uh, oh, okay, let me just find a way to do this. Research how I can how I can do it better or whatnot, when really it's just not something I'm good at, you know."
0: Mhm. Is it maybe like a trust? Like it's hard to trust people?
1: Yeah. Trust. That's so another thing. Trust, yeah. Right, you know, so that's a high level. Thing
0: trusting yeah is something like right
1: like right now like i took the disc test have you ever heard of the disc test Yeah. so i took the disc test and i was like okay so i just realized something i I mean i kind of should have known this already but i'm not really like uh yeah no i'm a uh, a high d yeah i'm a
0: high d i'm a high d i'm a driver for sure
1: so i'm not really like I'm i'm not really like a people's person so i shouldn't be like doing like sales in my company i'm not really like a people person or Trying to just, because I, I do lose patience sometimes on the phone, right? And I really hate that. I really hate that, you know, but I'm just, that's just not my strong point. And it's really, I need to outsource that. So that's like my next step trying to get myself to feel comfortable and trust somebody enough to outsource my acquisitions. But that's really nerve wracking for me.
0: For sure. So it's really, it's trust, I think. Yeah. For me. So I'm a driver too. My disc profile, it's funny. I probably need to retake it because I haven't in years. And I remember it was fairly balanced with all the other things, but with a high D. Like the Mm -hmm. other ones were just like balanced. They were whatever level they were, but they were like all the same. And then the rest was like high D. And I know what you mean about getting impatient. Like I get impatient too. You do, Um, okay. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I get impatient when I, I mean, when I try to explain things, for sure you can hear sometimes I get impatient. But I think my weakness and it's something I, it's really taken me, no joke, I think I overcame it about a year ago, was fear. Like mm. I, I had a really like quick fight or flight instinct. Like things would freak me out. Um, I would get like, like that feeling in your stomach. I was very, I'm very anxious. Like I can get where that feeling in my stomach of that anxiety feeling, like where your stomach sinks and it, yeah. you know, like, ugh. I would get that all the time. So fear would paralyze me and it would stop me from taking opportunities. Like my business could have been probably four times as big if I wasn't so scared in my first couple of years uh, to do more deals. My first couple of years, I purposely like turned deals down because I was a house flipper. And I purposely like turned deals down that I look back now, if I would have just partnered with someone that like knew and, you know, high level flipper, like, I feel like I could have been retired right now with how much opportunity was in front of me, but I was so scared.
1: Right. But you know, the fear never goes away though. It's Mm -hmm. just learning how to deal with it. The fear was always going to be there.
0: For sure. It is still there.
1: Yeah. The more you do it, like the, the better, you know how to deal with it. So like kudos to you to, you know, just stretching yourself out your comfort zone and continue to do it, you know, because there's people on the podcast listening And like, man, I feel that way. But seeing you and knowing that you still go through it and still doing it, that should give them a lot of hope.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Maybe other people will realize you don't have to be perfect. You know,
1: just just do it.
0: And that's what you did.
1: Just do it. Yeah, Just do do it. it.
0: Oh, man. Well, IK, you've been doing really, really well. And if people want to get a hold of you, can we find you on Facebook? Or how can people get a hold of you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook, IG. My IG handle is ik.inapali, which is just my first and last name. Uh, same thing on Facebook is ik.inapali, real simple. So yeah, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Reach out to me, DM me, uh, whatever.
0: I know you're a giver and you're always down to help people. So I love that about you. So yeah. I'm so glad we got to hang out Likewise. and you have to keep me updated on your progress.
1: Likewise.
0: Um, that's it, I'll leave it at that for today.
1: For sure. Well, appreciate it, Lauren. Appreciate you having me.
0: Of course. Thank you. Have a good one.
1: Thank you. All right. You too. That's all for this
0: episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.